Welcome to Grace in the Shadows. This is Dr. Marla Beeler and Dr. J. Dr. Jonathan Beeler. Hello, everybody. Hope you are having as beautiful a day as we are. The sun is shining. Such a pretty day. We'd like to give a quick shout out to Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Yay. Yeah, another city, another new city. We're so thankful to have you listening to us. Please make sure to share with your friends and mm-hmm. neighbors. We would appreciate it. You can check us out at Grace in the Shadows ORG. You can text or call 251 244 4645, or you can email us at Dr. Jonathan at Grace in the Shadows OR. Dot O-R-G. Do check out our Etsy page, shadowsofgrace.etsy.com. We've got some hats and some keychains and some coffee cups, all kind of cool stuff that you can get to promote your favorite podcast, Grace in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. So check that out. All money goes towards missions, mission trips and mm-hmm. the like. Okay. Well, I hesitate to ask, do you have some jokes? Now you say that so enthusiastically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because um, they're usually kind of corny. They're dad jokes, but that's okay. I do usually laugh, so go for it. What you got? What do you call an angry carrot? All right, here it is. You ready? I'm ready. A steamed veggie. <laughs> that is really sad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. What All else? All right. Here's another good one. Okay. Where do polar bears keep their money? I don't know where. In a snowbank. Okay. All right. Moving on. I've got some unusual facts about the United States. Here's Mm -hmm. the first one. There's enough concrete in Hoover Dam to stretch across the country. No. Yeah, that is a lot. Do you remember watching Superman with Christopher Reeves Uh back in the 80s? Early 70s. This one went out of the Hoover Dam, like cracked, and he was trying to keep it from... Right. First again. Yeah. Oh, and do you remember, was it Tim, not Tim Allen, what was his name? Oh, I can't Tim remember. Conway? Yeah, Tim Conway. He would always have a skit where he would stick his finger in the mm-hmm. hole of the Hoover Dam and then another oh, would yeah. pop up. And that was always, yeah. Hilarious. That was pretty corny. Yeah, we're showing our age. Um, the United States also has the world's longest land border. Uh, that goes with Canada, right? Yeah. 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 So it's over 8,850 kilometers, and we have to say kilometers because, you know, Canada uses kilometers. <laughs> so if y'all want to transcribe that into yeah. my head, The I whole world <laughs> is the metric system, but right. the United States. Right. And here is the last one. Yeah. This is very interesting. You don't need a driver's license to race in NASCAR. Now, that's kind of ironic. Yeah, really. So, like, if you've been, like, trying to practice your NASCAR driving on the interstate and gotten a ticket and maybe your license has been suspended, you can still go for gold in NASCAR. And and that that makes me a little nervous. (laughs) What do you think? I... You know, the verdict's still out for me. I, you know, yeah. they're they're not in the public. They're, I guess so. I guess so. You know, they they're, do take them off the regular road. So, uh, oh, but wait. I can see this kind of ironic. That is crazy. It is yeah. crazy. All right. Well, so. Something else ironic we're going to get into today yeah. is David All chosen right. as king. It's kind of ironic. Okay, let's do it. It's First Samuel sixteen. Where right. and if you'd read one through three, Doctor Marla. Dr. M. All right. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. 
I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And you're going to see why this is ironic. In a little bit. Okay. It's kind of ironic. True. You know, so, Sam, how long will you mourn for Saul, God says? Yeah. Uh, this is Yahweh speaking. Right. It's in all caps. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a time to mourn, time to laugh, and right. all this, but there's also a time to move on. And that's what God is saying. Get over it. Yeah, get over it. Let's move on. I imagine, you know, maybe Samuel felt that he had, you know, failed Saul, failed God, but God saying, nope. <laughs> Get over it. Let's go on. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, obviously, we're on God's side, uh, but I want to empathize with Samuel here for yes. a second. Yes. Uh, Samuel built several years of a relationship with Saul. He, did. he really did. And I think that he probably saw a lot of warning lights, warning uh, warnings here, yeah. but I think he also saw some potential. He did. I'm sure he did. And he probably felt like a failure. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he felt partially responsible for the fact that Saul so often went down the wrong path um, because he was basically, he was his spiritual advisor. And he says, God says, fill your horn with oil. Now, you know, it, God didn't tell him, stop, you know, you shouldn't be mourning. Right. And God let him mourn, but he, he had a time period and then he said, move on. Yeah, let's move on. Fill your horn with oil. Right. And what that meant, you know, it meant that God was getting ready to anoint someone else for king Correct. over Israel. Right. You know, God will never, never allow his work to die with the death of a fa of, or failure of men. Right. Because it's God's work and God's going to accomplish what he needs to accomplish, what he plans to accomplish on time, in the right time, in the right place, and he's never late. He is never late. And, and I also find it interesting that... You know, Samuel's like, well, if Saul finds out about this, he's going to kill me. So God kind of gives him an out and says, well, you know, you're going to sacrifice. Take a heifer. You're going to sacrifice. So if Saul heard about it, he would hear that he had sacrificed with Jesse's family. Well, it's also kind of interesting because this same Samuel, you know, when I first read this, I was kind of taken back. Right. Because this Samuel got in Saul's face. He did. <laughs> you know, telling him that he would not, no longer be king. and right. his. I mean, he really got in his face and told yeah. him what, what is. And now he's nervous. And I, yeah. I think he was reflecting. And in his mourning and in his reflection, fear got a hold of him. That's you what know, I think. And we can do that. So many times we get tired and exhausted from life's, you know, from life. And mm -hmm. we do, a lot of times we will lose our sense of self-esteem, Christ-esteem, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. And so I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. You know, and, you know, there's no doubt that Saul would have considered this treason. Oh, yeah. And and, and dealt with Samuel in, in, in that way of Correct. execution. Right. But, but I also think that Samuel was really in his brain, in his, in his mind. Right. He's in his feelings. In his yeah. emotions. Right. And he wasn't thinking clearly into God's plan. Right. And the fact that God was telling him what to do. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Be afraid, but yeah. Right. Correct. And, and God says, I'm sending you to Jesse, the right. Bethlehemite. Yep. 
Jesse. Now that sounds like uh, what was that old show called with uh, the mountaineer that kept his family fed? One, one day, <laughs> shot the what are the Beverly Hillbillies? Beverly. Yeah, the Beverly oh, Hillbillies. Black gold, oil <laughs> that is, Texas tea. tea. Yeah. Oh, me. But uh, so we went to Bethlehem. Right. And and uh, where Israel's next king would be found. Now, this was kind of a, uh, this was the home yeah. of, of Jesse, who was the great grandson of, or the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Right. Uh, and so this is, is really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, how can I go? And so God tells him what to do. That he right. needs to make a sacrifice. Yes. Uh, in front of, there's going to be a ceremony mm-hmm. in front of Jesse's kids, in right. front of Jesse's family. Yeah. Now this isn't the atoning sacrifice because there you don't eat the meat from atoning. This is a peace, uh, piecemeal uh, sacrifice. So they're going to have a sacrifice. Um, that will be for fellowship, a ceremonial meal, mm-hmm. and not sacrifice, right. if that makes sense, not yeah. atonement. Correct. And so with that, they would eat what's left over Yes. Uh, in a peace offering, a fellowship offering, and celebrate whatever they were celebrating. Right. Yeah. So this was what brought them together. You know, when they're coming, uh, the elders of the town were troubled at his coming. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was? Do you come peaceably? <laughs> well, I mean, it's Samuel, and I know that his reputation uh, preceded him, that he could be quite the character, right? Well, yeah, uh, you know, Saul, King Saul was trying to show off. Mm-hmm. Uh, God told Saul to wipe out uh, this evil pagan group of Amalekites. Right. And not to let any of them survive or the animals. And what did he, he brought back animals and he brought back the king, King Agag. Yes. And so Samuel uh, ticked off in a good way, a righteous way, because Mm -hmm. uh, he had disobeyed God. Right. Hacked them all. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess, I guess I would have been a little bit scared too. Yeah, a little daunting Samuel's coming to town. He's coming, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a little man at this point, but still he. He he, could hack them. (laughs) He could hack them. Definitely him. could hack them. Yes. Um, you know, Bethlehem itself uh, was a. We pictured this town as some magnificent town, and we sing about it at Christmas. But it right. was humble. It was humble. It still is. It, yeah, it still definitely. exists. Do you think Samuel was thinking about the prophecies when he was going? You know, I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't really indicate that. It doesn't. No. Uh, I don't want to read in the scripture either. I don't either. either. I don't either. It's called eisegesis. Yes, 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 yes. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of times these prophets um, did not know for sure what the Holy Spirit was saying through them. True. Very true. That's, that's yeah. very true. Well, uh-huh. like pastors today, I mean, God speaks directly through them and they don't always know. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, like when we went to Africa, I'm, I'm right. giving, you know, you could, this could be in a church too. It could be just around the table. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't know how powerful God has spoken through us. Right. Uh, I don't think until we get to eternity. Correct. I talked with a, a brother uh, who went on the trip and, and his name's Todd. Mm-hmm. And um, he said he went to, he went to, uh, we're going to have him on a couple, couple, yes, couple weeks. Yes, we are. But he went to this tribe, 
And, uh, but 30 years ago he was there and they planted seeds yeah. and he, he saw fruit from 30 years ago. See, that is, I'm so excited about hearing that to hear, you know, how things were different from 30 years ago. I'm just so tickled. So y'all will have to make sure that you check into that. It'll be in a couple of weeks. So yeah, mm-hmm. so excited about that. And so anyhow, Bethlehem was a, a hilly grain growing region mm-hmm. with many small grain fields carved in the hillside. Yes. And pretty, pretty cool. Pretty yes. cool. Well, let's get down to the choosing here okay. because I don't think Samuel was, was uh, totally reading into this correctly either. I think that God really, really, well, it's kind of ironic that word keeps coming up. Ironic. Sure. Read six through 10 if you would. Okay. Six through 10. All right. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Do I need to stop the, start there? Yeah, keep going. Okay. Then Jesse called him called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? (laughs) They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Okay, so here's Samuel, and he you can just see his face. Kind of perplexed. Well, think about, you know, when he um, when he anointed Saul, he was tall, dark, and handsome. So he's looking for the same thing, I guess. Well, we look on the outside. We do. We do. Uh, we judge leaders. We judge people of God by how they look, how they talk, their degrees, their education. Um, but, but, but this is not how God chooses. Aren't you glad? I am very glad. I am glad, too. Uh, basically Samuel saw tall, good looking, young, and, uh, th- that Eliab would be a great King. And as we saw this, you know, Eliab was not the chosen one, so to speak. And so I find this quite interesting how God chooses nobody and turns them into somebody because God is the sovereign God who uses the underdog and the weak of the world and not the strong and the prideful. Absolutely. So he, he rejected Eliab, uh, who was kingly looking. Uh, and then he says, do not look on his appearance or physical stature because I have refused him. Samuel made the mistake of judging Eliab based on appearance. The same mistake Israel made about their first king, Saul, looked the part he didn't have a heart of of a king of God's people should have, but it doesn't matter. Um, Good Eliab looked, looked good because God said, I've refused him. It didn't matter how he looked. And so God has a tendency to take the uh, ones that tend to be overlooked. Yes, he does. Yes. Uh, The Lord has not chosen these. So he went through all the brothers and the Lord has not chosen these. So verse 11, 
And uh, I'll read that. Okay, I got it. I've got it. Okay. Uh, Verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Do you want me to keep going? That's good. So are all these young men here? And Samuel had a problem. God told him Jesse was the one that the son of Jesse and God said in 1 Samuel 16, 1, I have provided myself a king among his sons. And, and Samuel had so much faith, he knew God would, would fulfill his word and cannot lie. But he had to be perplexed. He did. There remains yet the youngest, Jesse says. Now, this is interesting. This is David's father. And he didn't mention his first name. That is a really good point. He didn't. He just called him the youngest. Now, this is another dysfunctional family. Yes, it is. The youngest. Right. Uh, So he didn't mention his first name. And second, he wasn't even invited to the feast because he was out with sheep. Right. And (laughs) and third, he was uh, only called after Samuel insisted. Well, and sheep herders were not always looked upon as, you know, the great society people. So... And, and this is this is really sad because yeah. um, I think a lot of times we in our families and in our social cir- uh, social circles mm-hmm. really overlook people that God has their hand on. Right. Absolutely. You know, the quiet ones. The maybe they don't have all the degrees. Maybe maybe they're kind of outcast. Well, and there's a reason why you know Paul said to Timothy about, you know, don't let people look down on your youth, because a lot of times people will do that. I mean, think about when you started, you know, pre- pastoring, mm-hmm. you were on the younger side and, and sometimes people would look down on you like you didn't really know anything, even yes. though you had studied God's word. And so I think a lot of times people will look down on the younger or on the youngest in the family or things like that and don't expect as much from them, which is wrong. Which is wrong. You know, God often chooses unlikely people to do his work. Yes, he does. So that everyone knows the work is God's work, not man's work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at Samson, and no one knew where his strength was coming from. Right. Right. Um, So obviously, he wasn't, uh, you know, Arnold. (laughs) You know, it was something that... that, God, God is doing it. Right. If God is doing it, it's God's power, God's grace. Yes. And he tends to use those that are considered the outcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So David was probably between 10 and 15 years of age here. Yes. Um, it's just, he's out keeping the sheep. Now this tells us that Jesse was not rich. Right. Or he would have had his hired hands. Yeah, he would have sheep sheep herders. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he would have. So David is a man after God's own heart. Yeah. It doesn't say that David had a great relationship with Jesse. No. I don't think he did. No. I mean, it's kind of implied. Right, he doesn't even call his name. Now, he did talk about his mom several times in, right. in the word. Yeah. And I think his mom was had a godly influence. I think so. And I think he talked to his father God a lot in, the, in, the, in the fields with I the sheep. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's out in the fields keeping the sheep, which was a dirty job. Right. And, you know, David was simply faithful in the small things that he did. Right. 
And he did obey his dad. Yes. Yeah. So we look at this sheep thing. What do you think he was doing out there? Did he learn? You think God was preparing him for kingship? Oh, yes. Because uh, taking care of the sheep could be a very hard job because, you know, animals would try to steal the sheep. Uh, animals that would be hungry, like bears or wolves. Lions and lions bears. And tigers. No. Yeah. <laughs> but they would try to steal the sheep. And so he would have to make sure that all the sheep were accounted for and he would have to fight off wild animals, even probably people that would try to steal the sheep as well. Um, so he had to do those things. He had to be pretty strong um, and, you know, just really good at doing what he was doing uh, to be out there. Well, we know his the first thing he he does uh, one of the first things is he takes on Goliath, nine foot nine, uh, six fingers, six toes, freaky, mm-hmm. freaky man. Without even really yeah. batting an eye, he does that. He's like, oh, you know, I've taken care of bear and things like that. I, so I killed what? a lion. I killed a right. bear. So what is he? You know? He's not so, much more. Yeah. Right. So God was preparing. Yes. And he wrote a lot. He was a musician, a musician yes. and a poet and yes. a songwriter. Yes. And he wrote several things. You can almost feel his heart connecting to God in these Psalms. Absolutely. I'm going to read you a Psalm uh, 23. Okay. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. A cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. Now, that is that is a psalm that we right. hear at funerals a lot, although yes. it's more for the living. It really is. Um, but he wrote this, I believe, praising God. Yes. And we can see how he was a man after God's own heart. We even see him with praising God about the creation mm-hmm. in Psalm 8. He says, Lord, our Lord, right. how majestic is your name in all the earth. Yes. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Amen. Uh, So this is David. Yeah. This is the guy who was being trained to be king and he didn't even realize it. Yeah. As a shepherd boy. Well, and a lot of times in our own lives, you know, we look back and we think, huh, oh, so that's why I did that. Or that's why I learned this or things like that, because God will take those things that he used for us, you know, the the skills that we gained and the knowledge that we gained. He'll take it and use it maybe sometimes years down the line. And we're like, oh, okay, that was why. And, you know, Jesus, out of all the names in the Bible, Mm -hmm. David is the most 1,100 times his name is mentioned. Wow, that's a lot. And Jesus did not say he was the son of Abraham. No. Son of Isaac. Right. Although he would have been. Yeah. Son of Jacob. Son of Moses. He Mm -hmm. said the son of David. Yeah. You're right. And and we'll see, you know, as we continue studying that he's not always making the right choices, but God still calls him a man after God's own heart. Yeah. And Jesus mentions that he's the good shepherd and we're his sheep, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's right. So we look at David here, and um, yeah, cool. let's look at 12 to 13. David is chosen. 
Okay, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to, went to Ramah. Ramah, yeah. So he was ruddy. Now, ruddy is another, basically means red hair. Yeah. He, he was a redhead with bright eyes, probably blue eyes, good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he wasn't good looking as, as far as he looked like a king. Right. But he was a good looking guy. He was light yeah. complexion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back then being dark was considered uh, not not something that they wanted to do. That didn't look right. good. It yeah. made them look wealthy being white, True. being fair. True. Um, and so he was a good looking chap. Yes. For lack of a better word. And unlike Saul, he didn't look like a king, but he 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 was a good looking, look, fine looking gentleman. For Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And so he arose and anointed him. First mm-hmm. uh, Samuel 13, 14, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over the people. Mm-hmm. So David was this man after God's own heart. You read the Psalms. You'll see as we read uh, the scriptures on David, he is seeking God's heart all the time. Uh, he doesn't always make the right decisions, but he knows who his father is. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's amazing. I just, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, just looking at how God chose the underdog and seeing how God worked at Samuel's heart and David's heart and David's family's heart. Um, it's just really an interesting thing to me. And we know that David goes through a lot of difficulties, but God really used him. So I think this is really cool. And it's a true story that tells us that. God can take your mess, turn to a message for his glory for your good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.